0: Welcome to Saints FBP, I'm Josh Vox. And I'm Elias J. Williams. And we're gonna kind of get back to the normal way of doing things. Our last couple of episodes were were live in the moment episodes that we kind of cut together. But now we're gonna kind of get back to the the real structured episodes and kind of get back to where we're going to really throw a bunch of information in and really just try to make the most of the time. So saying that we're going to jump right into what the strategy of this draft was as a whole. And, and Elias, I know you spent a lot of time trying to to study them. What do you think that strategy was?
1: Yeah, I think I saw Uh, A lot of Jeff Ireland influence in in the way that we drafted. I've, I've seen him do it at Miami a few times where what you notice is that there are some positions that are harder to hit on in the draft, such as cornerback, outside linebacker, pass rusher, wide receiver. Those are positions that they either I won't say they have a high bust rate, but the player is more likely to either not contribute. Or contribute in very little, very little in a way of helping a team. Sometimes you get guys that can come in and play right off. But more often than not, you end up missing on, on those types of guys. And then you have positions that are a lot safer, like offensive lineman, traditional linebacker, and defensive lineman, where you know the guy may not become a superstar, but he'll at least be serviceable. If you think back to Cedric Ellis, he never became the, the three technique we thought he would have become, but he was—he played through his contract, and we got a lot of service out of him. So when you look at the the nine picks that we had, three of them—you have the Andrews Pete pick, the Tyler Davidson pick, and the Marcus Murphy pick, as well as the Stephon Anthony pick. Those are positions where you get you can get something in return. The inside linebacker position, Stephon Anthony, if all goes well, he's worth at least 100 tackles. And Pete is, he, the third tackle, the swing tackle, played roughly 300 snaps last year. And you have to consider the fact that both of our tackles last year were either hurt, nicked up, or as an Armstead situation, finished out the season on injured reserve. So that third tackle is going to get a reasonable amount of snaps. And so last year that third tackle was Bryce Harris and he did not perform well at all. So the Andrews Pete pick keeps Bryce Harris on the bench where he should be. Stefan Anthony replaces Curtis Lofton at the mic position. Now even though Curtis had good production, the problem with that with him playing the mic position in a three four is that you're asking that guy to take on a guard. At times, And Curtis Lofton was only six foot, 240 pounds, likely less than 32 inch arms. And so you have him taking on guards, you have him trying to stand up guards in the hole. And a lot of times, because that was not what he was capable of doing, that was not his forte. You'd see him try to dip under a guard, end up on the ground and leave a big running lane open instead of standing the guard up, stacking him, shedding and making a tackle. And so we moved on from Lofton, added Stephon Anthony, who has better size to play the position at 6'3", 243 pounds with 32-inch arms. He has the size and length to do what is being axed of a Mike linebacker in this defense. So knowing that you have Rob Ryan in his ear and that it's a position that you can get good production out of, it was worth a 30, the 31st pick in the first round. Our next pick was Haoli Kikaha. Now, if you think about the the edge rush position, we ended up drafting two guys here, and it's because you can miss on the edge position. So our first pick was Haoli Kikaha, who is probably the most accomplished pass rusher of the two, probably the most accomplished pass rusher in the group. But he has medical concerns. And so being that he tore the the ACL in his left knee twice— You have to wonder how how long will he be able to compete? Will it be something that comes back? It's one of those things where you end up drafting another outside linebacker because of the questions. But knowing that you're getting probably the best pure pass rusher in the draft in the second round with very little character questions. The only thing he might have are a few size questions, but if you put him on the edge, he's most likely going to get to the quarterback. So I thought the pick was a very smart pick. I thought it's a pick that should yield immediate production from the player. Even if you, he will most likely split time at the Sam position, but on those third downs, his. The press, the amount of pressure that he provided on seven-step drops was pretty much instant. Like he's going to get there. And if you're playing good ball, first and second down, third down and long should be the the next option for the offense. And if you can put Kikaha and Galette on the edge on third and long, you can pretty much be you can rest assured that the the pocket will collapse
0: from the left and right side. So I thought the pick was very smart. And he's the best hands fighter of all the pass rushers in this draft. That was the big thing. You know, because if you can't get your no matter how big an offensive lineman is, if he can't get hands on you, he can't stop you. Right. And that was the one thing whenever you watch Kakaha's tape, he's constantly slapping, ripping. I mean, he's doing all kinds of stuff, but people can't get hands on him. Yeah, he was a former judo
1: champion. So he he does know how to use his hands, and he understands leverage really well. He's not the biggest guy. He's right at 6'2", 253 pounds. He does have 32-inch arms, but normally when when teams look for the edge rushers nowadays, they like 34, 35-inch arms because the left tackles have arm length and can get into the body of pass rushers. So having those longer arms helps the pass rusher keep the offensive lineman out of his body. But rushing from the strong side, which I think he will be doing, he sh- he shows enough bend and enough hand-fighting technique to be able to deal with right tackles.
0: Yeah, that makes perfect sense to me. Now, our third-round pick, the first of the two third-rounders that we had, was a bit of a surprise uh, to me. Uh, I don't think it was a surprise to some people, but it was a surprise to me, and that was quarterback Garrett Grayson.
1: Well, you know, Garrett from the way Sean Payton spoke about him, the 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 most telling of what Sean Payton said was that if that quarterback wasn't there at that time, they would have left the draft without a quarterback. So Sean Payton was very high on Garrett Grayson. The one thing that stands out about Grayson is he has a beautiful deep ball. He He's probably the best at getting the deep ball out and having the requisite touch on the ball and knowing how to put it out there for the receiver to catch. Drew Brees is a master at the deep ball, and it has very little to do with velocity. It has more to do with putting enough air under the ball and putting it in a a position to where it drops right in the receiver's hands. And that is something that Drew is good at, and it is something that Grayson is good at. You look at the fact that the pick was unexpected because most of us see Drew Brees playing for another three to four years. We don't really see a, a drop off. So we assume that even though Drew's contract is out in the next two years, that we will either extend him or he's going to resign. The only problem with that is there is no guarantee on that. Drew Brees may decide he wants to to ride off in the, into the sunset after his second year. And so you are going to need insurance just in case that happens. So you take a quarterback. There's more than one reason you take a quarterback. You can also take that quarterback, develop him, and use him as a as a for a draft pick later on. If Drew Brees does stay, if he leaves, then he's competition. So the pick, while it seemed like it, we could we had other needs to address. It was a smart pick. It was a future pick. And if he is the quarterback that Sean Payton thinks he is then if Drew walks away in two years, we won't have to suffer through a losing season because we're making a making the transition to a subpar quarterback. This was a pick about the future. This is a pick about extending the future and making sure the, the franchise is continues to win even after Drew Brees leaves, whenever that time may come. So the pick, while it was not to address anything on offense— our defense today, it does help in two years.
0: When you stop and look at it, it makes sense. And the thing is, Sean Payton is a kingmaker at quarterback. He can create a player. He's done it with Tony Romo. You know, he he pretty much resurrected Drew Brees' career because a lot of people thought after the shoulder injury, Drew Brees wasn't going to be the player he was. Right. And so – when he's when you have someone that is that guy that can come in and he can transform that position, the most important position, and he can take an unpolished diamond and have it shining. If anybody can do it, it's it's definitely Sean Payton. So I hope he crowns one more as soon as Drew Brees is ready to be done. Because you know I love Drew Brees. I'm not gonna letting go. I'm not letting go. I'm keeping Drew Brees as long as I can. But I'd be excited to watch uh, Garrett Grayson uh, progress. Now, our other third, third rounder, the second third rounder, is a is a cornerback, and he's one of the better press cornerbacks in this draft. Mister PJ Williams.
1: I see PJ Williams as if you if you think back to the 2009 draft, we ended up with Malcolm Jenkins. He he didn't have the top end speed. He didn't have the hip swivel to stay at cornerback. So it was thought that he would be a premier safety. And a lot of people felt that we kind of overpaid at 13 for what we ended up getting out of Jenkins. P.J. Williams is Jenkins 2.0 at a lesser price. And he, he's more of a first round or second round talent, but failed to the third round because of off the field issues. Now, when you look at him, he is definitely a press corner. I, I see, I see the ability to press. What I don't see is the ability to recover once he misses the press, especially on, especially on on craftier receivers. I think the one thing that that makes for Carroll, even though he he doesn't have very good top end speed, he had a six seven three cone, which is very good agility for a defensive back. P.J. Williams had a seven-second cone, so he's not super agile, and he's not a twitchy person. He's he, he has more safety agility than cornerback, but what he does very well is he tackles. He, he tackles extremely well, and he can play press in the slot. I look at him right now as a slot defender with the potential to play outside if he can put it all together. But as of right now, I see him as a replacement for what we lost in Malcolm Jenkins in those nickel and dime situations. If you remember in 2013, you would have Jabari on the outside. You had Malcolm in the slot. You had Vacaro in the slot. And then you had Lewis on the outside. They would pretty much play press coverage on third down and smother the receivers. You had pretty much four high-quality defenders on the line. We lost a lot of that last year. Our top four defenders were Patrick Robinson, Lewis, for Carroll wasn't playing in the slot initially because they wanted him in strong safety. And so you ended up having Corey, Wright. Corey White fill that position. And the the secondary was much worse off than it was in 2013, than it was in 2014. So now this year you have Browner, you know, you have you have Brown on the outside, you have McCarroll is gonna move back inside, you have PJ Williams in that slot position, and then you have Lewis on the outside. Those four guys are gonna beat everyone up. They're gonna beat them up off the line of scrimmage. And part of PJ Williams makeup is allowing him to beat people up and then be fizzle. And I see him as a perfect fit in that slot position rotating between nickel defensive back and dime defensive back and pairing inside with Karen, knowing that you're getting two good press corners on the inside and two good press defenders on the inside while you have two good press defenders on the outside.
0: So it's just going to be a really physical defense next year. Yeah. It should be a lot of fun to watch. Now, our first fifth-round pick is a guy that yeah, I've been a big fan of. I love the small school guys because I root for underdogs. And he is somebody that I actually wanted in the third round, and then he ended up falling to the fifth round because of a shoulder surgery. And it's Mister Davis Tall, the outside linebacker, six two two forty five, from Tennessee Chattanooga.
1: Yeah, Davis is is gonna be a for now a special teams player, and he can also back up the sound position. I like what I looked at on film the. What I noticed is that he doesn't play as fast as he timed at the combine. I didn't see the four or five speed on film. I didn't see the 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 20-something bench reps on, on tape. But what I did see is a pass rusher that gets better as the game progresses because he knows how to set up tackles. He has a, a very expanded array of moves i've seen him throw out a spin i've seen him dip i've seen him attempt to go to the inside i've seen him switch to a bull rush he he has a plethora of moves that he likes to use and he sets the tackle up as the game goes on and that's something you notice about him so he has the potential to actually if you can ever get him to play up to his physical measurables He could be the better pass rusher than Haole Kikaha. Now, what I didn't see was a lot of movement skills. So I don't know if he's going to be able to play in coverage. I didn't see him drop. I saw Kikaha drop a lot more than people would expect, but I did not see Davis Toll drop. But what I do like is that he models himself after Clay Matthews because he realizes that Clay Matthews, doesn't have 33-inch, 34-inch arms. He has short arms. And so he's looking at another player that has short arms like himself, and he's learning how to set the edge and how to play with leverage when he has to defend against the run because he's a very accomplished pass rusher. What will be the telltale is if he ever develops against the run And at what pace he does, and that will determine whether he's more of a situational pass rusher or more of a every down strong side linebacker. But I I see him as as having an impact day one. I do believe he he fell because he had a labrum injury that he's recovering from. He had surgery on that. And so that's why he fell to the fifth round. Otherwise, he probably would have gone a lot earlier.
0: Davis Toll was an absolute grab in the fifth round, and I think uh, Sean Payton even said in his presser that they were trying to trade up to get him. They were. Just to make sure to get him. And ended up, it works out, that he fell to their pick, so we got to keep one more pick and still get our guy. So that was was pure luck. Now, we have three fifth-rounders, and the second fifth-rounder is the big defensive tackle, 6'2", 315-pounder, Mr. Tyler Davison.
1: This is probably the, the pick outside of Holy Kikaha that I'm most excited about. I've watched the highlight films. I've watched a couple of his games. Tyler Davison has the chance to be one of the most explosive defensive tackles from this class. He He was a former wrestler he he's a very good hand fighter. He does not stay locked on blocks at all. He finds the ball, he he destroys the block and then he makes the play. I saw him do it against zone defenses where he doesn't get washed down the line. He splits the the gap between the two players and then immediately destroys the running back, forces the running back to cut back and then, you know, he he has teammate he has teammate help there. He's he's quick off the snap. I don't see a two gap nose tackle. I don't I don't think he has the lower body girth to just constantly hold up against double teams. I see him as somebody that you play in the one technique, or if you play him at a zero technique, you you still allow him to one gap and pick a side, and have the the inside linebacker go the opposite way. So that the gap is covered because he's someone that because of his build, he doesn't carry a lot of bad weight. And the guy has 34 inch arms, so he has the wingspan of a six five person despite being six two. And because he doesn't carry a lot of bad weight in his in his upper body, he has kind of a slender Stomach area, he's able to split gaps and not get caught up because he's not a wide body. He's a stout guy, but he's not a wide body. So I see him as someone that if I wanted to have an attacking one gap defense and I needed a penetrator in the inside, he would be that guy. He he gets off of blocks. He's quick off the snap. He's a wonderful hand fighter. Great tackler. He does not miss tackles at all. Once he gets you in his grip. He he's a he's a powerful tackler. He has the length to draw the ball loose. It this is probably my favorite pick outside of if we could have got the the kid from Washington, a defensive tackle from Washington.
0: Danny Shelton?
1: Danny Shelton. I think that Davidson was a very good alternative to Shelton. Doesn't can't play the nose. He he's not that not built that way to to, to be a two gapper. But as far as taking Bunkley's position in a year or even rotating in this year and just being that guy that that causes dysfunction, he would be that guy. Listen, put it like this, listening to the his highlight reel, the first thing you you hear the guy say is one of the coaches talking about him, and the coach saying he has to get him blocked because he's a game wrecker. He's someone that will wreck a game. For you, he'll blow up a run. He'll he'll split in the backfield and get a sack before the the QB even has a chance to pat the ball. He's that quick off the snap and he's that disruptive. So this is probably my favorite pick in the draft.
0: Yeah, I, and to, to hear a man that's three hundred and fifteen pounds described as slender, that let's just lets you know this dude's scary. Yeah, this is a scary, scary man. So that's that's another. God, this is gonna be a lot of fun to watch next year. Now, our final fifth rounder, which we actually traded up to get, we gave we gave away a sixth rounder this year and a sixth rounder next year, so that we could take the the cornerback, the six foot, hundred and eighty six pounder, Mr. Damian Swan. Yeah, the Saints,
1: according to Sean Payton, they, they had a white magnet. Up there for him and for them, the white magnet is a player that is still on the board that they like and have high a high rating on. But they noticed he didn't go in the round they had him projected. And so I think for them, once they got into the late fifth, they had him rated higher. So they begin to wonder why he was still there and they decided to make a move and go and get him. Speaking back to what I noticed about the draft. In that we picked two cornerbacks, so you have a guy that if if P.J. Williams doesn't pan out the way you you hope him to, you there's a a second chance that Damian Swine at least pans out. Again, they're looking at Swine as more of a nickelback. If you read his bio, it mentions that he's a he's a, a ferocious blitzer. I haven't seen where he's elite in coverage, but from the nickel position and what we ask those guys to do, he fits. He he is the six foot. He's a bigger corner. He's not on the smaller size at a legitimate six foot, 185, 190 pounds. So he has the size to play in the slot. And again, you, you double up on the position because it gives you a better chance to hit. Whether whether he makes the team or not, that that is up in the air. You 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 want him starting out, not necessarily participating, but it's the word I'm looking for is
0: creating you competition. Want,
1: you want him to, yeah, you 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 start him out in competition in the nickel to see if he can be one of those contributors. If he can't and P.J. Williams beats him out, good. P.J. Williams was the higher draft pick. But then you look to see if he can distinguish himself from some of the other defensive backs we kept last year that are in their second year in the defense. So you look to see if he can stand out and then he makes one of those guys expendable. And you know that the depth of your cornerback position is much deeper. And so he's someone that I look at as a he has a fighting chance. And it de- it depends on if PJ Williams is who he thought who they thought he was, and you know if he can stay healthy. But if he can't be out in the nickel position, he has a chance to go up against some of those other guys and still solidify his spot on the team. But again, cornerback is a, is a tough position to evaluate. You hit on guys, you miss on guys. But at least picking two cornerbacks, you at least have the chance to hit on one of those guys.
0: Yeah, you double your chances. So, hopefully, by having and I think I don't. I think we have like eleven DBs. Uh, or, or right currently, yeah. Yeah, it's a crazy high amount for for this this part of the season, and so by having all those guys in there, and and a lot of these guys are really capable. It's going to create an immensely competitive environment. Yeah, and that's the thing. Hopefully, that fire. Will build you know as these guys are in there competing, because right now our cornerbacks last year were a problem, they were a problem, and to create competition at a problem area is the only way to really uh solve the problem now, our seventh round pick is is a guy who's more of a return specialist, but he's also a running back. And it's the five foot eight, hundred and ninety five pounder, Mister Marcus Murphy.
1: Yeah, Mar- Marcus Murphy. I, I I saw where Sean Payton said that he was real important to get in that seventh round. And when you think about the fact that we have no, we don't have a primary backup for Spiller. If Spiller goes out the game, so does his skill set. We didn't. We don't really have another Joker. And so. Marcus Murphy, because of his agility, he's not overly fast. I think he was more of a four-six runner. He has quick feet. And Peyton spoke about him being more of that joker running back, but also being a return specialist. So I'm thinking they want to use Spiller in the return game. But if Spiller goes out or goes down, you at least have a backup option that can do some of the things he does, even if it's not – really fulfilling the joker role, at least you have somebody that can, can return kicks and return punts and back him up in that manner. So it running back is one of those positions that they don't really have a high bust rate, which is why you can, you can find running backs fifth, sixth round that can come in and compete as well as in the earlier rounds. So it's, it's a safe pick. It was a good way to end the draft. It fit a need and if he develops, then you know that you have a second option behind Spiller and you have some continuity there just in case of injury. So I thought the pick was important. You want to see how it shakes out. I, from what I've seen, we only added maybe one or two running backs through free agency, through undrafted free agency. So that at least gives you at least a little insight into how how they see him and I think he will compete for that fourth spot on the depth chart behind the other running backs.
0: Yeah, hopefully because it's, I love the idea of seeing uh, C.J. Spiller as a return man slash punt returner. I hate the idea of seeing my my big-time free agent running back getting hurt as a return punt returner guy yeah. because you don't – if he's he is going to be extremely important, there's no one that can do what he does on this roster. You don't put him back there to get hurt they They did the same thing with Cooks last year that it was just awful, yeah uh so hopefully Marcus Murphy and Jalen Saunders in between the two of them, they can compete, they can get in there, and they can really fill that role without risking our number one or one a one b back, yeah now. After after looking at it, you know, letting it kinda letting it simmer, I like the draft more and more. We got one more question. And it's a simple one. How does this affect the offense and the defense?
1: You know, offensively, I look at outside of the Grayson pick, I look at it as a chance to number one improve the protection around Drew. I think the Saints said it very loudly and clear that Drew can throw receivers open. He can make receivers look good. The problem is, is that he has to have the protection to do it. And last year, he didn't have the usual protection that he's been accustomed to. I believe that at, at one point in the season, Drew began to see ghosts because he had gotten bashed around so much and and seen so much pressure come through from that offensive line that he started to pitter pat more often than you're used to seeing Drew be uncomfortable in the pocket. And so it led to some bad throws. It led to some questionable decisions. So immediately you fix you fix the offensive line. That's the, the first thing you do. I've said it. If you can fix the offensive line and give Drew more time, He's going to find an open receiver because the offense is built around route concepts. It's not necessarily built around isolation routes where the receiver has to be super talented enough that he can win one on one against a cornerback every time. It's more of if, if you run a high low route concept, you run a square in, in front of the linebacker and you run a deep square behind the linebacker. Because that linebacker has to choose high or low, someone should come open. It's almost, it's inevitable that someone comes open. If neither of the high lows comes open, then it was played perfectly up the middle. That leaves the swing back open. Someone always comes open in in the offense. Drew just needs the time to deliver the ball. So I can see why they didn't feel it was necessary to draft for the wide receiver position. Also because Sean Payton talked up the wide receiver group all offseason and recently saying that he has high hopes for Brandon Coleman, Nick Toon. He likes the player in Joe Morgan, likes the experience. And so I think offensively, as long as we can run the ball when he wants to run the ball and get carries – and if we can give Drew protection, I think we're fine. I think we're absolutely fine. 2006, we came in with less offensive weapons than we have now. And it was fine. I mean, again, the, for the last nine years, this offense has, has strolled along. It's It's been fine. It's either been top 10, top 15, top five every year that that Sean has been here. And so the last position I'm worried about on offense is wide receiver. We went back and got a joker in Spiller, which is what was missing from the offense. Brandon Cooks, that offense is going to revolve around him. He's a high-volume receiver, and other than him not being 6'5", there is nothing wrong with the receiver. Because of the way the rules are in the NFL now, where you can't necessarily touch a wide receiver— It's it's so much easier for guys of all sizes to to be competitive and be productive. So you can have the Antonio Browns, you can have the Brandon Cooks, you can have the West Welkers. Those guys are able to be productive from all areas of the field and be high volume receivers, meaning they they can get a lot of catches. And Cooks is a, a individual who can beat you deep, he can beat you short, he can beat you midfield, he can beat you after the catch. So he is a number one receiver in that you can move him all around the formation and he's explosive from all areas of the field. He's a threat to, to take the ball to the end zone from all areas of the field. And then he has a compliment in Spiller there. So I think as long as you protect Breeze and give him the allotted amount of time to go through his progressions and to stand tall in the pocket and deliver the ball, the offense will be, Absolutely fine. It's in good hands as long as Drew is the quarterback and Sean is the offensive coordinator slash play caller.
0: Yeah, that's how I feel about it. If Sean Payton was telling me the linebackers are okay, I would an eyebrow would raise. You know, right. I'm like, I don't know. You you've proven over and over that you 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 don't really know how to judge defensive talent that well. Right. But when it whenever he says, "Oh, the wide receivers are okay." I just say okay. Yeah, you, <laughs> I just, you, you can't help much... but agree with him because he's proven it. Hey, I know how to make this work. Yeah, that's what he does. So if he says the offense is okay, man, I'm excited for for preseason. That's just going to be a lot of fun because you know you look at Santavious Jones, six foot three, two hundred pounder. You got big Brandon Coleman, 200-plus pounds. There's some guys with some physical traits that are just really, really good physical traits. And if Sean Payton says that these physical traits are beginning to translate, I'm on board. I'm on board till he proves, till he, till he proves himself wrong. Yeah. Cause until then he's right. Right. He's earned it. Now that's what you think about the offense. So what did this draft do for the defense?
1: Well, it fixed the two problem areas of the the defense last year, the, the linebackers necessarily as far as the inside linebackers weren't real, really a problem. Lofton missed a lot of tackles, but he also had a lot of tackles. He just didn't fit as a interior linebacker. Part of the problem was was never having a third rusher. Gallette had being asked to rush too much and, and getting tired. So and and the coverage on the back end. So what did we do? We added Brandon Browner. We added P.J. Williams. You added Damian Swine. You get Jarrett's bird back. You add Haloe Kikaha, and you add Davis Toll. and You turn around and add Tyler Davison, and on top of that, you replace Lofton with Anthony. And so I see where we fixed the two main problems, which was the chicken or the egg, past Russian coverage. I think we upgraded the coverage on the back end, or at least we, we attempted to upgrade the coverage on the back end. And we we attempted to upgrade the pass rush by adding two pass rushing outside linebackers to go along with what we already had. When I look at for now, what I, I look at and see the defense, I see what is going to be a a very young defense in the front seven. And I think what you have to do with that is allow the guys to play fast. I think you have to you have to build a one gap scheme around them and have them not read and react, but just to know their job and do it. If your job is to fill the B the B gap, that's your job. Do it. Whoever's job it is to fill the, the B gap on the other side of you, they'll do it. Whoever the play comes to, you make the play. I don't think you, you ask them to do a lot of thinking. When I look at Tyler Davidson, again, I look at a guy who is a gap splitter, a guy that plays well, should play well in a one-gap scheme. I look at P.J. Williams, and he's a guy that he's smart from a football standpoint, and you know if you tell him, hey, press this receiver, hit this receiver, hit anybody that comes in this area, he's a guy to do it. Stefan Anthony, hey, we want you playing downhill. We want you playing fast. We want you making tackles, and we don't want you thinking a lot, and I, I see that with, the, with that entire defense. You want Pressure coming off the edge. You want guys playing fast downhill, and you want your cornerbacks pressing and interrupting routes. That's what I'm seeing from the defense. But I also see, also see it based on what we saw last year. I see it being simplified to allow the these younger guys to play a lot faster than what they were, what they played last year. You saw, you saw guys necessarily not knowing what coverage they were in. They were talking right up until the snap trying to figure out what coverage. So I see all of that being simplified so those guys can play fast because that's the only thing that that separates the Seahawks defense from everybody else. It's a simple scheme. It's a very simple scheme that allows its players to play fast within the scheme and not think much. So if you can play fast, you play fast on the field. You, you, you're not thinking as much. You're attacking. And that's what I think they want to do. I think they want to be an attacking downhill. We're not going to let up Defense, and I think with the the cornerback help that they added, getting back that what was what we lost with Malcolm Jenkins, being being able to press on the edges, press on the interior with with Williams and Ficaro, it, it allows your your pass rush to get there, and it also forces the, the quarterback to have to get the ball out of his hand quick, which can lead to turnovers, it can lead to tip balls. I think the defense is in good hands, and I think they addressed. The issues that they had with the defense last year and it should be closer to the 2013 defense than it was the 2014 defense
0: and if we can get back to that those kinds of numbers in production boy it, it, it's, it's going to be a long season for people who play the saints yeah all right so that's our draft recap for the 2015 saints and and we just want to say thank you and appreciate you listening. You can catch us on Twitter at Saints FBP or check out the uh the website at SaintsFBP.com. dot com. Uh every once in a while Elias will actually write an article, and those are really good whenever he does one of
1: those. <laughs> yeah, you should you should tell him go back and check the the must to do about nothing article.
0: Oh yeah, I forgot. Uh we had a we had someone bring up the his one of Elias's old articles and during that article uh he actually Elias listed the the three biggest needs number 1 offensive line number 2 uh linebacker and number 3 pass rusher and if you look at our first three picks he actually I don't know whether it was luck or skill or or a little a mix of both but he actually hit on all three positions cuz so this whole offseason, we, we didn't hit on the players in particular, but, well, we hit on Stefan Anthony. That yeah, we did. That was we a hit definite him. hit. And, uh, and, we, and he retweeted it, too. Yeah,
1: that's, <laughs> so pretty, so that's pretty awesome.
0: <laughs> so we hit on him, but we didn't hit on the other two picks, but we did hit on the positions. So we feel pretty lucky. We feel pretty lucky in, in, in hitting on those. And I know Elias puts in a lot of study. On, on getting all this information together, so just give us a give us a holler if you wanna you wanna connect with us on Twitter at Saints or connect with us on the website at SaintsFBP.com. I'm Josh Fox. Yeah, I'm e- Elias J Williams. Aloha saints people, have a great day.
1: Au revoir. Yes, I want to be in that number, I win the Saints, school, my children, sing it again, I win the Saints.